Since 2006, the Charities Golf Classic has been held each summer to raise critical funds for Catholic Charities of Lake County. While this event cannot be held this year in person, your help is needed now more than ever. An online event is being held for all those who regularly attend this outing and want to continue their tradition of support. Your donation to Catholic Charities will ensure that all programs are running at full strength when people need help most. 92 cents of every dollar donated goes directly to helping people in need. Be a champion and support the Charities Golf Classic this year. Go to catholiccharities.net and search for Charities Golf Classic or call 847-782-4119. That's 847-782-4119. Thank you. Catholic Charities has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We have been ready through many historic moments and we continue to respond with competence and compassion during these unprecedented times. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers who, despite the risks, excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors, to the dedicated WIC employees who remain open for families with children under the age of five, to our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that to-go meals continue for the homeless, to our home care aides, service coordinators, and trained counselors who continue their work in the most innovative ways, to our food pantry staff, and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center, finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do, and we salute you. You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome to Mission Matters Live, a program focused on promoting a spirit of mission among the people of God in the Archdiocese of Chicago. My name is Megan Mio. I'm coordinator in the mission office, and our engineer this morning is Mike. You're listening to WNDZ 750 AM, and we hope you'll join us every third Thursday of the month from 830 to 9 AM. So this morning, we are blessed to have with us the Right Reverend Dr. Trevor Alexander, a preacher, teacher, and a colleague of mission uh, for myself. Uh, bishop Trevor was consecrated a bishop in the Lord's Church through Kingdom Council of Interdependent Christian Churches and Ministries. The Kingdom Council is a body of Christian communities who came together in an effort to expand their ministry and strengthen leadership. 
He is also senior pastor and founder of True Vine Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now, all that said, Bishop Trevor also has some Catholic connections. He serves as Protestant chaplain and adjunct faculty at the University of the Incarnate Word in San Antonio. And I first met him through the U.S. Catholic Mission Association, where we both serve on the board of directors. So welcome, and thank you so much for joining us, Bishop Trevor. Well, thank you, Dr. Megan. It's my pleasure to be here, and welcome, and thank you to all your listeners. Wonderful. You know, I realized with this time that we we have to have our radio guests on via the phone, it has allowed me to really expand our guests, so it's wonderful that you'll be able to be with us. Yes. Uh, I mentioned in the introduction you are bishop and senior pastor, and you also have some significant connections in the Catholic Church as well. Um, Can you just tell us a little bit more about your background? Well, yes. Well, um, my undergrad is from from the University of Incarnate Word. Um, So I um, double major in religious studies and psychology, Mm -hmm. and then went on to seminary to Abilene School of Theology. Ah. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm heavily Catholic educated. (laughs) Educated, yes. 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 Wonderful. And how long have you been in San Antonio? Oh, no, see, I retired in 95, so a number of years, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm also retired in um, Army, so, yes, so... <laughs> You've lived many lives. Yes, yes. <laughs> how many years in the Army? 20. 20 years. Yes. Wow. I know I sound young, but uh, I got a little age and wisdom to me. <laughs> That's good. That's a good yes. thing. When it comes to missions, it's a very good thing. Yes, ma'am. Um, and you, you have a family. Yes, I have three girls, and my beautiful wife uh, also got, all three of my girls graduated from University of Incarnate Word, and my wife got her master's from University of Incarnate Word. Wonderful. Yes. And tell us a little bit about True Vine Church. Well, True Vine Church, we pa- trying to pass, you all said we're trying, because it's, it's just everything you think you got it figured out, there's mm-hmm. always a new twist there. But we've been pastoring now for 25 years. And True Line Church is a really interesting congregation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're young and youngish. I think our average age is in 38, 40-ish age group. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm considered one of the old guys, which is interesting. And so we're, we're pastoring a young, pretty young and mobile um, congregation, which teaches us um, some interesting things about how church is being done, especially in this pandemic, which we're doing a lot of the things virtually. Yeah. And so because of their expertise in this social media they're helping me right 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 yeah. right you've done new things you've never done before oh my yes yes you know we i mean we're still virtually um streaming our services mm-hmm. and um you know if you told me this uh last year i might, I might have laughed at you but uh yeah how could that be right. yeah no mm-hmm. well i will say that um as I mentioned, we're both on the board for the U.S. Catholic Mission Association. And, you know, we're all over the country, uh, the board members, um, yes. and even though the offices are based in D.C. Um, so we would Zoom from time to time. And I, I got to say, I wasn't very good at it until recently. <laughs> oh, I'm learning. You know, I've been teaching classes uh, since March, and it's all via Zoom. Oh, right. Teaching, yes. too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So you have a lot of you got a lot of different commitments. You've you oh, yes. lived yes. many lives, as I said, but you wear a lot of hats uh, mm-hmm. today as well. So, and I mentioned one of the things that you do is you're you're at the University of the Incarnate Word. You're in charge of the ecumenical ministry. Yes. Um. So, just would like to talk a little bit about how do you understand that relationship between different Christian denominations? That's what we mean by ecumenical. Um, yes. And how do you think that might connect with mission? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because. Um, 
and I don't remember what particular month, but I know in uh, 2012, the uh, World Council of Churches put out a document reaffirming uh, mission and the unity of mission. And it basically said something, and don't quote me exactly, but it's something about the unity of mission manifests the visible unity of Christian witness in the world. And I've taken that to understand that the more we show unity, the bigger, the, the more um, people see a unified body, mm-hmm. the, the greater the witness of Christ. Mm-hmm. So on our campus, uh, we were, you know, we have a Catholic pre, uh, chaplain and myself. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of things together. Mm-hmm. But um, one, we do a reconciliation service um, in the fall and one in the spring. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, it's one of our best well-attended programs because both mm-hmm. of us are presiding together. Mm-hmm. And it shows a wonderful sign of unity. Now, you put this in the terms of mission. Right. Um, when you go on a mission field and we are sharing ideas with each other, it's not, it's not a competition. Yeah. It's going into the, whatever that mission field is mm-hmm. and trying to make an impact to that community. Mm-hmm. And so if, you, if there's an established body there, we communicate with them. We, sometimes we share facilities. Mm-hmm. We share resources. But we definitely share ideas mm-hmm. and how to make this the, the, the visible and tangible presence of Christ yeah. in the community that we're, we're working with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Jesus said in in the Gospels, you know, that he he wanted he, he wanted his followers to be to work together to to yeah. be in unity and and truly we believe that the the varieties of Christian traditions and denominations and the idea of us being separate in some way really truly goes against what Jesus wanted for us. Um, yeah. It's something that we constantly want to try to come back together in some way. Um, and uh, certainly ecumenism, this work that you're doing where you, you, you preside and you, you help educate young people mm-hmm. um, on the true, you know, ultimate unity of the Christian message. And I, I do really feel like if you're trying to, quote unquote, I mean, this is vernacular language here, but if you're trying to sell somebody on Christianity and then you see Christians fighting with each other, yes. it's not really the best yes. message. No. And then, then think about that for a moment. You know, in, in John chapter 17, Jesus said, Father, make them one. Yeah. as you and I are one. And I think it's on the mission field that you see this connection, this greatest sense of connection. Yeah. I, I, let me go back to my background. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was born in England, right? Mm-hmm. But at the age of two and a half, I had to move to St. Vincent, where my parents are from, but to live with my grandparents, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm what you call a miracle baby because I had some very serious health issues. And the mm-hmm. doctor told my parents, if the child is going to survive, he needs to be in a warm climate. Well, <laughs> St. Vincent is in the Caribbean. <laughs> Warm enough climate. Yeah. So my grandparents raised me mm-hmm. from two and a half until nine. Okay? okay. But my grandfather was Catholic. My grandmother was Anglican. And you couldn't find a more uh, ecumenical family than these two. <laughs> we had to learn uh, to live together. Yeah. Right. And then we alternated Sundays. You know, mm-hmm. we went to this Catholic church on one Sunday, and, and it was never a fight within the community. Mm-hmm. We had picnics together, mm-hmm. the Catholic church, the Anglican church come together. Mm-hmm. There was so much shared resources. So I think that's in in the mission field is maybe one of the greatest witnesses yeah. of what it means to be one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can do so much more together. Oh yes. Uh, than to sort of be fighting. So now, you, as I mentioned, you're on the board for the U.S. Catholic Mission Association. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your passion for global mission. What experiences have you had? Wow. Um, <laughs> or sum them up briefly. <laughs> yes, you know I've been to Africa three three times. I've done uh, Canada. St. Vincent, you know, but it's, it's like going home and I do mission in St. Vincent. But um, my my experience in Africa really shaped me more mm-hmm. than the others. 
Um, mean, it's like, okay, let me try and say this. This I always tell folks, being in the military all the time, you know, you travel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'll go home and I come back and I go wherever else. But I remember the first time I went to Africa, I was in Ghana. And the customs officer said to me, is this your first time in Africa? And I said, yes. And he said something, Megan, that transformed me right there. He said, welcome home. Yes, welcome home. <laughs> I'm coming there to do mission work. And he says, welcome home. There was a group of us pastors there. I think it was 15, 18 of us there. And that set the tone mm-hmm. for me and others to do our mission work. Mm-hmm. So you talk about this impact. We were going to Ghana, and uh, Liberia had a civil war, and a lot of the refugees flee from Liberia ended up in Ghana. Mm -hmm. So we were going to a refugee camp to do some work there and work with the children and all that type of things. Mm -hmm. And it was that experience of welcoming me. I'm I'm a foreigner, quote-unquote, trying to come into the the community, Mm -hmm. and we received such warm welcome getting Mm -hmm. off the plane. And then it was a warm welcome from the people. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that really touched my heart, drove a passion for me in mission, was when we went into the orphanage. There was a young girl there who I think maybe three years old, and I have to mention before, I had three daughters. For some reason, when I came on that compound, she gravitated to me and held my hand. Wherever I went to do ministry, she was right by, right by me. Mm-hmm. And I remember leaving to go, uh, leaving the compound to go back to the hotel where we were staying, and she started crying. And I wanted to take her with me because I think, well, you know, I didn't want more girl on earth. But that experience touched my heart because mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I if she ministered to me mm-hmm. or I ministered to her. But it was definitely a sense that we came there to do ministry by helping teach and do working with the children who had no parents. Mm-hmm. But her reaching out and touching me, holding my hand, a perfect stranger, mm-hmm. impacted me in such a way that. Mission became a major drive for me. Mm-hmm. And so the, the impact, now look at what we do in our church, mm-hmm. we build a well in Africa. Now then somebody said, why do you want to build a water well? Well, if you understand that sometimes the villagers have to walk maybe a mile, mile and a half, maybe two miles to get water. Mm-hmm. And now they come out their house and they walk maybe a couple hundred yards to get the water. Yeah. It frees up the time for the children to go to school mm-hmm. to get a greater education. Right. And that's one of the things we're seeing. So the passion for me is making visible and tangible yeah. the incarnate word of God wherever we go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's a beautiful, beautiful story. Well, you know, it's time for our break now. Mm-hmm. But we'll be back in just a moment to continue our discussion of overcoming the divisions in mission. Stay tuned. All right. The 23rd annual Monsignor Michael Bolin Golf Invitational was unfortunately canceled for this year, but we are still gathering online to offer support to Catholic Charities Family Stabilization Services that benefit each year from this outing. Catholic Charities has been working nonstop throughout the pandemic to help the growing number of people who have lost their jobs and never before imagined needing assistance. Can you help us help them? Become a sponsor, purchase raffle tickets, or simply make a donation to help people who are very much in need this summer. 
This special online drive and raffle continues through August 31st. For more information, visit the events page on Catholic Charities' website and look for the Monsignor Bolin Golf Invitational. Thank you for helping make this a major win for a great cause this year. Do you have a gently used laptop or desktop computer that is gathering dust in your home? Consider donating to our Catholic Charities Veterans Computer Project. We will clean out your device, give it new software, and repurpose it for a veteran who is looking for employment. Your gift will make an incredible difference in a veteran's ability to find a job. Catholic Charities provides veteran services throughout Lake and suburban Cook Counties, giving participants an array of professional and personal support. Our veterans have served our country, and it is our privilege to serve them. To learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Services and the Veterans Computer Project, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219. Welcome back to Mission Matters Live. If you're just tuning in, I am Megan Mio, coordinator for the Mission Office, and you're listening to WNDZ 750 AM. I am here with the Right Reverend Dr. Trevor Alexander, senior pastor at True Vine Church and Protestant chaplain and adjunct faculty at the University of the Incarnate Word in San Antonio, Texas, among other things. <laughs> Those are two, two important things. Um, and before the break, we were discussing, um, uh, based on Bishop Tre uh, Trevor's experience, his, his life, um, the value of ecumenism, building relationships between Christian churches, uh, and your experience of global mission, your personal experience um, as a pastor, and then also, I mean, your work as a um, chaplain as well, local mission, you know, like you said, um, different ways that you've worked with um, young people. So. I'd like us to discuss overcoming another form of division in our world. And in recent months, our country has been struggling to come to terms with this persistence of racism uh, in all its forms. I know, Bishop Trevor, you have been reflecting and speaking about this quite a bit in, in mm -hmm. your ministry. So how would you articulate the reality of racism and, and how it affects the practice of our faith? You know, um, several sometime that last year, in our staff meeting, we were looking at the joy of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And we broke that open, and, oh, my God, it was so powerful. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we talked about the, the, the idea of racism. And my boss, who was a sister of charity in Connie Woods, defined racism this way. She said, racism is a disorder of the heart. Mm -hmm. And I love that expression. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, when you take that expression of disorder of the heart, mm -hmm. if I had a bad heart in a natural, I go to a cardiologist. The cardiologist would do everything he or she sees to examine and tell me my best course of action to fixing the problem, maybe surgery, changing my diet, whatever. Mm. Well, if if I follow that analogy and the definition, if there is a, dis, uh, a disorder of the heart mm -hmm. in terms of racism, how I see people, then I have to, it's a spiritual component to this. So I use that, that the, the story of the Good Samaritan, for instance. When you see that gentleman laying on the street, mm -hmm. then, you know, the two people walk by, and for whatever reason, they crossed over. But now let's look at this at this person laying on the street. Mm -hmm. And I challenge my church and other people, especially when I'm teaching, if this person was a KKK, for instance, Remember, how yeah. would you minister to that person? Right. If this person was an immigrant, if this person was whatever, you can change it, that, 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 that the ethnic break, make, makeup, 
of the person laying in the street. Yeah. And but then what happens, uh, who comes to minister is a Samaritan mm-hmm. who himself is an outcast right. within that society. Right. He stops and renders aid. And then this is what I love about the whole story. Mm-hmm. Because you go back to the Good Samaritan, uh, uh, the chapter before, the disciples go into Samaria and they're mistreated. And they want the city destroyed. Then yeah. Jesus has asked the question about who's my brother. Then he gives the analogy of the, uh, the parable of the, of the Good Samaritan. Yeah. And then he says to the, uh, the and as he's teaching, the disciples are in the, in the area. Right. 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 And, and then he yeah. gives the, uh, uh, then he answers the question, which one of these was a, was a good neighbor? Mm-hmm. And they said, the one that stopped and rendered aid. Mm-hmm. Then he said, you go and do likewise. Right. So the challenge for all of us is, when we see the injustice, when we see the problems of coming, whoever it is, whether it be um, black or white, will be um, undocumented, all these ailments that ail our society, is that if we have a disorder of the heart and we don't feel compassion, mm-hmm. then we need to ask God to clean us, change us, you know, change my diet, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, help me to become more like you. So missionary work. If I go back to the whole thing of ecumenical coming together, mm-hmm. if we are on the mission field and we can break down barriers, the colonialism <laughs> that happens sometimes, mm-hmm. um, then mm-hmm. we can really begin to minister. Yeah. Let me go back and get one more point. When we were mm-hmm. in Ghana, and I remember there's 15 of us, maybe 18, two of our pastors were white. When we got to the compound, they could not go in and minister with us. Mm-hmm. They had to wait outside. And so we were there for at least five hours. Mm-hmm. Now, when we got back to the hotel and reflect, those pastors, first of all, they were angry. Mm-hmm. But after they got past their anger of waiting, then they started reflecting and said, wow, we came to do our work, but our skin color mm-hmm. kept us from going into the compound. Mm-hmm. And there was an ethic of, of mistrust that we had to deal with. Mm-hmm. And so when we are dealing with uh, racism, we have to deal with the ethics of mistrust. Mm-hmm. from blacks and whites and Hispanics or whatever case may be, mm-hmm. so we can go forth and minister as Christ would minister. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I mean, I think that these are these are big issues. These are societal, these are cultural, uh, they, they have long histories that it's definitely worth investigating, for yeah. one, um, and that it's important to not take those kinds of things personally. I think that mm-hmm. those ministers probably at first felt like they were singled out, uh, mm-hmm. And then, upon reflection, realized that this was part of this longer history of colonialism that yes. had had caused the division that um, could be healed eventually in time, mm-hmm. but would take uh, you know a lot of effort. It it wasn't just about them. Yeah, I mean, I I, I was wondering if you could share some stories um, of your own experience or others that you know um, how racism has impacted uh, living out the faith, living the mission. Um, that I, I, sometimes I think it's important to have something very tangible like that, a, mm-hmm. a, a story that really helps us understand the um, the impact, the, the reverberation that, that yeah. racism has. Yeah, um, I, <laughs> I have experienced racism throughout. Um, even when I lived in New York City, I got pulled over um, so many times by the same cop, mm-hmm. by the same cop, oh, no. uh, when I would drop off a co-worker who happened to be white in a predominant um, uh, Italian neighborhood, I would drop her off, and as soon as I turned, she, he would follow me in, watch me drop her off, and as soon as I turned the corner, he put on his lights and, and, and caused me to get out of my car, put my hand on the hood of the car, and see anything you know when it's hot, 
the engine is running, the car, the hood is hot, yeah. it's hot outside, and my hands are on the hood of this car. It is burning, right? And 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 the same question: What you doing here? What, and you, I'm like, listen to me. He said, "You stopped me last week. You asked me the same question. I'm the same guy." And that went on and on and on, wow. right? Um, and so that happened frequently. Yeah. And I would go home so many times, get back in my car, crying. One, my my hands were hot, <laughs> but wow. two, crying because I was angry. But I knew I couldn't do it. He was trying to incite a riot in me, yeah. and I knew I could not respond in this anger. Yeah. So I had to learn how to put this whole experience behind me mm-hmm. so I can be an effective minister. Mm-hmm. Because those things shape you, mm-hmm. but it can't scar. They're scars, but it cannot help. It. What I'm trying to say is it cannot project my future. Mm-hmm. I can use that experience to build on it. So when I confront other people mm-hmm. who have been in a, uh, uh, who are not like me, such as the KKK, mm-hmm. I can have a conversation, right? Let's get to the bottom. Why do you hate my color of my skin? What is it about me that you you need to tell me? And what? And after you finish listening to me, I listen, I'm listening to you. Now let me speak to you and explain to you who I am. Right. A lot of times you hate me because you don't know me. Right. Right. right yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 in a way, I think I would go back to what we were saying in the first part of the radio show too about like it doesn't bode well for Christians <laughs> if we, we say we love and then we treat some people um, Certainly. without love. <laughs> yeah. Let's say that's the nicest way of putting it, you know, and, and really, you know, this is, we are poor examples of our faith and, um, and truly I think what you just said about really meeting people, really listening to people. Yes. Um, I think oftentimes people, you know, generally, oh, I, I love people, you know, I don't want bad things to happen. I don't want violence. But then, um, but if you don't really sit down and really get to know people, um, it is hard to, to really uh, hold that up in your day-to-day life. I think, you, like you said, your heart needs um, tending uh, in, yeah. that, in that moment. So certainly worthwhile for people to, to ask for these kinds of stories and really get to know people and their, their life experience. I'd like us to conclude in our last couple of minutes. I, we could talk about that a lot longer. <laughs> Just to say that, I, I know I'm sorry this show is too short for us to get too deep, but I appreciate what you shared. Um, but just reflecting on this idea uh, of separation um, between Christian churches and the sin of racism that, that divides us, both of these things, um, would you think that a, a more profound understanding of mission in particular could help us overcome these deep divisions? Oh, yeah. Okay, let me just real quickly. I'm the layout of model that we use when <laughs> also the interfaith work as well. I'm the chairman of our interfaith council. Interfaith too, yeah. Okay. Yes. And so we use a, a model, and you should get a kind of picture of a triangle. So at the top of the triangle is something called relationship. And on the other side of the triangle is called knowledge. And the other side is, on the other triangle is called change attitude. So we first got to establish a relationship. Mm-hmm. And after we establish a relationship, we get to the knowledge piece, mm-hmm. right? Um, what, what, what is it about me that I need you to know? What is it about you you need me to know? And we ask this question, how can I be true to me mm-hmm. without being false to you? Mm-hmm. Right? Once we get those understandings, then we get a change of attitude. So when we get those, this model working, we're on the mission field, then we are working together. Even, mm-hmm. that we, even if we have some differences, mm-hmm. we find that we have more in common by being true to me without being false to you. And then the change attitude, I help us to live out our shared gospel. 
Come and share your gospel, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then that, and there, we now begin to show the agape love. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, when we talk about mission in the global sense and the local sense, this is it. This is the core yeah. of our faith. Mm-hmm. And it isn't even necessarily about dogmas and specific church no. teachings. It's about really what was the message of Jesus Christ, that gospel, the good news of God's love, of of our our human family yeah. um, that is just so essential. And absolutely, yeah, I think that, like you said, that the tending to your heart maybe is tending to the mission and really looking at um, how that uh, process can inform us and um, help us to grow. Yes. We have a lot of work to do. <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> and I've been doing this for 33 years, and we have made some headways, but still a lot of ways to go. Yeah. Well, you know, this this unprecedented time, obviously there's a lot of suffering right now, but it also has opened up. I hope, you know, that there are communities that have grown a lot closer uh, as a result of this time as well. So mm-hmm. I hope that, that we'll learn something from this. Yeah. So thank you for joining us by phone, Bishop Trevor. May God continue to bless your ministries. Thank you for having me. Of course. I pray that we all overcome forms of division in our world and we live more closely that mission of unity that Jesus modeled. Tune in next month for more Mission Matters Live. Thank you very much for listening. And remember, always be on mission.